Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, December 18th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, we are one week away from Christmas, which means that for the most part, the business side of theater is shutting down. We will not anticipate having a ton of news this week. So what we've decided we're going to do is obviously we'll have it today on Broadway today on Monday. We will also have one tomorrow on Tuesday, mainly because Appropriate is opening on Broadway from second stage at the Helen Hayes Theater. So we will have all of the reviews for that in tomorrow's episode. Because of that, it'll probably come out late in Patreon. Patreon. Uh, I'm not exactly sure about the embargo time, but uh, we'll wait to do today on Broadway till we have those reviews. And then from there, we will have different episodes talking about looking back at our favorite things from 2023, looking ahead to stuff coming in 2024. We will also have an episode where we recommend some last minute holiday gifts for theater lovers in your lives. Uh, Jennifer McHugh and I will also have a couple episodes of Some Like It Pop, looking up some pop culture things. So we will definitely have content coming to you every weekday here in the Broadway radio feed. But just today and tomorrow will be today on Broadway. If there is some major, major thing that pops up, maybe we'll throw in an episode either together or or solo, depending on what the case may be. Uh, But I wanted to make sure that everybody knew what was happening. We will also have some Patreon exclusive episodes coming up. Grace and I are going to do a mailbag after we record this. I believe Ashley Steves and I are going to do one. So just uh, keep your eyes and ears out and we will have plenty of stuff to keep you occupied as you are going over the river and through the woods this holiday season. All right, Grace, we spent a little bit of time last week and I thought had a pretty fun and interesting conversation about Stranger Things, the first shadow that we found out was going to be not only coming to Broadway, which we obviously always assumed, but that it is going to be the first play in a prequel trilogy for the Stranger Things TV show. Well, on Thursday night in London, the show officially opened and we now have reviews. If you have forgotten, this is taking place uh, a few decades before the TV show Stranger Things happens. It takes place in Hawkins, Indiana in 1959. The show is directed by Stephen Daldry and co-directed by Justin Martin, and it features a a script by Kate Treffery, and it was also done in collaboration with Matt and Ross Duffer, the Duffer brothers who created the original TV show. For the most part, other than those folks at the New York Times, it was a very positive set of reviews, Grace. Uh, Hyaman Barakat, writing for the New York Times, said, quote, Directed by Stephen Daudry and written by Kate Treffery and Jack Thorne in collaboration with the TV show's creators, the show runs at the Phoenix Theater in London through August 25th, 2024. It's a gaudy, veritigenous fairground ride of a play, exactly what you'd expect from a show co-produced by Netflix. Cheap thrills, expensively made. Scathing, which is kind of interesting because... It's not dissimilar from the other reviews, other than the fact that everybody else seemed to appreciate what it was for those very same reasons. Neil Armstrong, although I'm sure it is not that Neil Armstrong, writing for BBC News, said, quote, A show like this is artistically successful if it's enjoyable on its own right, but also provides an authentic feeling addition to the Stranger Things universe. It ticks both those boxes. On the night I attended, the audience cheered when the lights went down, applauded the prologue and the end of the first act, and gave a standing ovation at the end. Does it advance our understanding of the human condition or illuminate any of the eternal verities? Probably not, but it is a great night out filled with thrills, gasps, and laughs. Luke Jones of the Daily Mail said, quote, Yes, it's Netflix milking a brand. Yes, it's the West End indulging in a screen favorite instead of promoting something new. But it's thrillingly done, magic and dramatic. 
And then Trent Krim's colleague from The Independent, Alice Seville, said, quote, With an opening scene that parks a hulking great Second World War battleship on stage, Stranger Things, the first shadow, wants to make one thing clear. This isn't a quiet, quaint, self-consciously theatrical little play. It's a massive all-out event calculated to thrill fans of the award-winning Netflix series with explosions, thrills, and jump scares galore. Plus, a little taste of what's coming in 2024's fifth season of the show. But with writer Jack Thorne and director Stephen Daldry on board, it's also got a surprising level of proper theater cred for anyone who doesn't come to it intricately versed in Stranger Things lore. Now, Grace, I I do think it's very interesting that one, we had the New York Times kind of poo-pooing everything that everybody else said works pretty well. But other than that, like, I feel like these are the exact types of reviews you would want to see for a show like this. Something that stands alone doesn't need to have a ton of Stranger Things background knowledge to appreciate, but delivers on what a show like this should be. It's theatrical in, in elements that it needs to be theatrical, but it's also otherworldly and bigger than a, a normal stage play in ways that you'd want that as well. Obviously, not dissimilar from Cursed Child, which we saw together, but... I didn't know anything about Harry Potter going in, and I thought it worked incredibly well, and all of those things about the spectacle still held true, and I thought it was very entertaining both for that and from a theatrical standpoint, and it sounds like this is a, a very similar thing as well. Well, here's the thing about this kind of show. Nobody cares about the reviews. Like, nobody seeing this show <laughs> is looking them up. You know, I I'm just being honest. Like, this is you're not right, a property right. where people are like, but I'm interested in what the critics had to say. If they wanted to go, if they're interested in it at all, they are not Googling what the independent said. They are absolutely going because people are buzzing about it and they are. So I, I think that this is one of those times where it actually doesn't matter what the pull quotes are necessarily, just to make sure, you know, that those things are exciting, that it's escape, it's uh true to the fandom like that's all they need to know and they're going to hear that from the people that they trust which is people that they follow on the internet that go to see these things right like they're actually getting their recommendations from fans from youtubers from bloggers from tiktokers from instagram users that are you know geared towards fandom and theatrical shows like i don't think that this is the same type of opening night press that every show gets it's it's one of those times where i go eh, you could you could have gave it a wash and then people probably still would be lining around the block i'm glad to see that it's getting the the praise and like the you know the accolades that they've worked very hard for but uh, yeah it doesn't matter for them so without going too deep into the everyday minutiae of your day job you work with influencers quite a bit, not just to influencers in like the social media sense, but also like influence marketing with with brands and stuff like that in a general show, not a Stranger Things, Cursed Child type thing, but in a normal show, how important are reviews versus those types of influence marketing things, whether it be social media or or something else versus what it would be for something like this? Is it 75, 25 reviews, influencers on normal shows and then 85 15 for a show like this where do you think the breakdown is and what's the difference in terms of how a show approaches this type of thing depending on its content and i guess the audience it's looking for well i'll say this and i don't mean this in like a, a weird way but there is no normal show now there is no there is no case study this is the breakdown of of 
at quote average shows, every single project is completely different and what their target audiences are. And so if whatever Stranger Things target audiences are, if those are geared towards people 18 to 24, those are primary TikTok users. So that might be, you know, something that they would utilize or another show that has, you know, an audience breakdown of, and and most women are ticket buyers and most women are uh, users of uh, Instagram. And those are the people that generally follow influencers of some nature. So if that's a target, it just totally, it just completely varies. And I think those things also vacillate over time. Like you could, you could see a show and in three months, their target audiences might be very different or their initial audiences might have been swayed to out of town audiences, you know? So I think it's, I think it totally varies, but I think that for this particular property, they are, I mean, they're, they're people that watch streaming services. So you know, on, on the first count, like they have to probably have a Netflix account, right? So that they have to be somewhat internet savvy and interested in the cultural zeitgeist, because this is a project that's only come out in the last 10 years. So it has to be people that are current up to date. So I'm going to gauge internet users from ages 16 to 38. Um, average, average, not to exclude anybody. Like me, not to exclude me is what you're saying. Okay. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. But yeah, so I think it totally varies, but I think that that's really what it is, you know? I don't know if that's helpful. No, no, that's very helpful. And especially for a show like this, reviews aren't important, but for, and I know you said everything's different, but like, just in a broad sense, do you see the importance of reviews for non streaming service to stage properties like this is that waning is is or or are reviews still as important as they were generations ago oh i don't i don't think so i mean i think that i mean they're they're very important so like let's be very clear <laughs> like they're very important we have to have review i mean like we we go and see properties so that we're able to speak on it you know especially as as listeners are asking and and we're making recommendations or or you know just knowing the what's out there in the landscape um it's it's very important but i think that the weight of of some of the reviews per project in terms of how they affect the the outcome of of what you see on stage is probably not as crucial as it used to be i mean yeah. you're seeing a lot of gala openings to just kind of like you know alleviate some of the stress on the company perhaps or the creative teams or whoever it's it's a different for every single show so i'm not making a blanket statement about all of them um but you'll notice you know gala openings versus formal review openings. Now you aren't seeing everything come out. Nobody's running to Sardis to open the paper to make sure that so-and-so said this thing. I think it's really different. And I think we're noticing a lot of changes in the landscape. I follow a lot of different critics and it's been happening over the past like five years, but especially in the last two years, I've noticed. Yeah. I think coming out of the pandemic, especially things have certainly accelerated in terms of the changes that we're seeing in in a lot of these things. But all right, let's move on to a little bit of other news. There's not a ton, but we did get the full casting announcement for the next musical from Pulitzer Prize winner Michael R. Jackson. He has co-written the show Teeth with Anna K. Jacobs. It is based on a 2007 horror comedy film of the same name that follows an evangelical Christian teenager whose body bites back when men try to violate her. The show is directed by Sarah Benson and choreographed by Raja Feather Kelly. 
The cast will include Alyssa Allen Lewis as Don O'Keefe, the main uh, character in the show. Also in the cast are Courtney Bassett, Phoenix Best, Will Connolly, Jason Gote, Jared Lofton, Lexi Rhodes, Ren Rivera, and Helen J. Shin. The show will begin performances on February 21st at Playwrights Horizons and is currently scheduled to run through March 31st. Obviously, any new show that is written or co-written by Michael R. Jackson is... Uh, amazing and great very excited to hear what this one is all about when it begins performances in like two months which is crazy to think that february 21st is in just two months grace yeah and michael's been working on this for over a decade you know a lot of people are familiar with this from i think nyu years you'll notice some of those people are familiar faces from white girl in danger you know a lot of the same collaborators so this one if if you know you know like this one has been has been worked on for quite a while so it's kind of crazy to see it get its legs after all of that it's wild guys it's really wild it's very wild um all right grace you which is still wild to say you spoke with sarah Bareilles here in the podcast feed a week or two ago and they've announced a second extension for waitress the musical in movie theaters it was originally supposed to end on the 11th and then it extended to i believe the 17th now it is going to run through thursday the 21st hopefully it gets another one Uh, i went to the theaters and saw it i saw a screener as you did but then i also went to the theaters and saw it it's tremendous and i hope everyone gets a chance to see it if you haven't already check your uh times and theaters in your area to see it also i just want to say i got a text from my uncle and i'm going to pull it up here um, on Friday or Saturday or whatever, um, Friday. And he said, just got back from Wonka. We really liked it. It was my favorite movie as a kid. The original one, obviously this did not disappoint. We thought they did a great job tying the original. These people's minds are crazy. So my uncle, a retired high school math teacher, um, loved Wonka, which is a musical with Tim- Timothy Chalamet based off of, you know, the whole, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory universe from Raw Dahl. So if you're interested in that, my aunt and uncle loved it. So just throwing that out there, maybe maybe get a double feature between Waitress and Wonka. All, you know, talking about sweet tooth type things there. So uh, check it out. All right, Gracie. Um, last week, there was a story in the New York Times by Michael Paulson that I just want to point out to people. This isn't necessarily like news in terms of like, hey, there's a new show coming. But it has to do with a legal case surrounding an update to Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. The show originally, of course, was a was a movie, and then it was turned into a stage adaptation in 1982 that only ran for three shows uh, post-opening. It was a big-time flop. But in 2021, in like the middle of the pandemic, the Muni did an updated version of it. And one of the writers from the original 1982 Broadway version updated the scene, uh, one of the scenes that has to do with like the brothers kidnapping a a woman. Obviously, with everything going on in the world, especially at that time with, uh, uh, you know, still kind of towards the height of the Me Too era. Uh, that was a little bit uncomfortable for people. And that was one of the actual conditions that Mike Isaacson, the artistic director and executive producer at the Muni, required to do the show. However, the only surviving writer of the show, David Landay, updated it, got permission to do it for that Muni production. But since then, the heirs of his collaborators from the 1982 version have not allowed him to have that show to be licensed and done everywhere else. Uh, Landa is currently suing in district court, basically saying that they are breaching their contract with him by unreasonably holding withholding their consent. This is a show that 
had previously gotten done all over the world and really hasn't since uh, since the pandemic. And they're trying to figure out if there's a way to do it that satisfies all of the heirs and all of the estates. We'll see what happens with that. I have never, I don't think I've seen the movie, at least all the way through of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Uh, and I've never seen a stage production. But if they can figure out how to make it less icky, I guess that's a good thing. All right, Grace, I have a ton of recommendations here. I'm just going to run through them. Um, I'll have the links in the show notes if you want to check them out individually. The cast album for Days of Wine and Roses has been released. I have a track of There Go I by uh, Kelly O'Hara in there if you would like to listen to that. Uh, Lorna Courtney from Anne Juliet performed Baby One More Time on the Today Show. You can check that on the show notes, too. Um, Renee Rapp and Megan D. Stallion have uh, collaborated on a new song called Not My Fault for the upcoming Mean Girls movie, musical movie, adaptation, movie, soundtrack thing. Uh, so you can listen to that one in the show notes, too. We also have the soundtrack for the Color Purple movie uh, that was released on Friday. I have the track for Fantasia Barino singing I'm Here. And then finally, uh, and something that is uh, important for me because I'm going to see it here, well, presuming he's in the show, um, in a couple weeks, Jordan Fisher singing If It's True in Hadestown. It is such a different vibe, Grace, from Reeve just because their voices are so different. Um, it really does kind of change the perception of who Orpheus is um, with Jordan's voice versus Reeves, neither one right or wrong or good or bad. Both, I mean, both of them are very good, but uh, it's really interesting to hear a very, very different voice do that song after years of hearing Reeves' very specific kind of ethereal uh, falsetto head voice singing this song. Yeah, I hope one day to see him also. <laughs> Okay. All right. That's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW Matt Grace. Where can people find you? You can find me at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful week, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. 